found in the Bible a guy called Jabez. I don't know if you remember the name of the guy Jabez, but Jabez is not much about him, but it says about Jabez that his mother named him Jabez, which means pain, because it says, I gave birth to him in pain. Now, it's surprising there's not more Jabez's around in life, isn't there really? You know, because that could be quite common for many of us. But I reckon there's more than just the fact of painful childbirth, or it may have been that. It, commentators often think that perhaps it was due to a rape or something in that way, a really traumatic, painful experience for this woman to have had this child and called him Jabez. But this guy Jabez, he decided that actually he wasn't going to live under his name. He didn't want to stay under that title for the whole of his life, the name Pain. And so he actually started to pray. And it says in 1 Chronicles 4, he cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let, my ha- let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And it says, and the God granted his requests. You know, I think for him, he was saying, don't keep me small-minded. Don't keep me dictated by my history. Let me break free so that I'm known more than my past, but let me see something big and free into the future. He was looking for something more in his future than he'd experienced in that present moment from his deep pain. God wants us all to move on from our past and know that our future can be so different. But you know, it takes intention and it takes trust in God to be able to bring that future into a reality. It began with a prayer saying, oh God, will you bless me? He wasn't afraid of asking from God, oh God, will you bless me? Move me out from here. You know, we looked at this prayer as a church in 2015 and we, we went through this prayer, we looked at this prayer and we thought this prayer is something that we, we wanted in our hearts and our minds, on our lips. And I remember driving along in the car, I remember walking along, washing the dishes, thinking, oh God, will you bless me? Oh God, will you bless us? See, 2015 was a, a momentous year for us as a church. It was a year that we moved into this building. It was a year that we completed this building. And in October 2015, we had a grand opening. We had three services over the day. And that day, I knew that it was going to be a turning point for us as a church. Something new, something of the future was going to happen on that day. And you know what I did? I came across this the other day. I found my old journal and I wrote in it a prayer and I'd kept it in my journal. Now, don't be too impressed. I am very hit and miss about what I write in here. So I don't want you to think that I'm totally super spiritual and just like, yeah, totally amazing. I am totally amazing, but I'm, I'm hit and mess <laughs> with this journal, okay? So I don't want you to be too impressed. But in here, I found my prayer. And I thought I would read this prayer to you. With in mind, remember, we had three services. I was going to share something Steve was going to share. We had the city coming to us. We had the mayor. We had the bishop. We had uh, the councillors. We had people from all over the country coming to celebrate with us the opening of this building. And this was my prayer. Oh, Lord, I'm nervous, anxious. 
We will be revealed before the city, before the nation. What if I mess up, spoil the moment? What if we succeed? More work, more strain, more tension. But I guess there'll be more empowerment to others. A greater staff team, a community development manager would be great for starters. I obviously had that deeply in my heart at that time. Ah, no, 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 my prayer's gone. Bless me, Lord. But not too much, though. Unless it involves love for my children and love for my siblings. Blessings that release a mother's heart, not sheltered from pain, but with the freedom to know that they are cared for, valued and loved. Blessings of support, of love and happiness. Blessings of finances. A family holiday house would be nice. Blessings of relationships, ones that can mentor and input to us. Enlarge our territory, Lord. Influence, standing and reputation for your glory. Amen. I tell you this because I don't want you to think that Steve and I don't go through struggles or pain. I tell you because there's always a choice of whether you actually feel the pain and do it anyway or whether you keep back and you go for a comfort in life. <coughs> Brenny Brown, one of my favorite authors, says you can have comfort or you can have courage, but you can't have both. You've got to choose. And to be courageous, you need to walk through that pain and see what's on the other side. You see, there's pain in the stretch. There's pain in something new. There's pain in the change. But nevertheless, we prayed the prayer. Oh Lord, bless us. Will you bless us? We were prepared to embrace the new and become giants in the new land that we were entering. Well, here we are, three years in. I didn't mess up the opening talk over that weekend and we have received so much blessing. Personally, for Steve and I, we've become grandparents. Yee-hee! We have another wedding in our house, which is very exciting. And we actually have a community development manager in C3. They actually live in our household, which is quite crazy. They're all this away this weekend. Our family, our, our grown-up children now are all in their various different places. They've all come back to our house. Well, the two girls have come back to our house, not here this weekend. And that's been a journey all of itself, but not a story to tell for today. But within C3, we have been so blessed. And it's hard to say C3 and Steve and Angie separate because Steve and Angie and C3 are so interlinked. Our hearts are here with you and our hearts are building this church. But we have seen such blessing, such incredible blessing. In 2015, there were 450 adults, uh, people who would come, including children, coming to C3. Now we have regularly over 920 people coming to C3. I think that deserves, yeah. It really does. It's incredible. It's not normal. It's not normal. It's not what's happening in a lot of places. God is on the move. God is doing something incredible. God is doing something new here in this city and with us here as a church. I looked in the city and tried to find some kind of statistics about movement from the city because 
in order to grow, when, when people come and they join us and then they move away from the city, not only do you need to grow in order to replace the people who have left, to grow to double over three years, it's exponential that growth there that is happening. And I try to find out as a city how much movement there is and how many people move on. And they reckon as maybe a five-year cycle is the length of time that people say in Cambridge. I couldn't find exact statistics. But what I did find is some interesting uh, statistics here. In 2011, Cambridge and Peterborough took a census. And they asked, and they do it every 10 years, they took a census, and over 57.9% of that census, they stated that as a religion, they would say that they are Christian. That's 50, nearly 58%. That's a high proportion of people that say the religion they follow is Christian. That doesn't necessarily mean say they're all in church, but that's what they would state on the piece of paper. They have a Christian religion. Only 3.3% they would said that we have a Muslim religion that they would follow. But listen to this, 29% of people ticked to say they had no religion. No religion. They're our target for the guys that need to really still find out about Jesus. You know, we, we celebrate that this church is growing. We celebrate that people are coming and hearing about Jesus. <coughs> But there's still so much more and there's still many more people that we can reach and we don't rest on our laurels in any way. But it, nevertheless, we need to take stock that this growth is incredible. We had a, a, a session this week. We had some time with a guy called Jeff Holland. To those of you who know him, he moves in the prophetic. He asked God to speak to him and he asked God for words. And he came and saw Steve and I and gave a word to us and prayed with us. And he commented as well, I'd been thinking on this in the day about how it's not normal, the growth that's happening in this church. There's a miracle in the midst. And those of you who are going to come along to Team, Light, team Night, which will be most of you uh, on the 24th of January, you'll hear more from Jeff sharing a word of what he senses over the church and over us and Steve and I individually as well. This is not normal. But you know, we've had to take on staff in order to help people engage with C3. We've got a greater breadth in age demographics than ever before as a church. The highest demographic within the church is between age 24 and 34. We found that out this week looking at the data. We have more people with different social economic backgrounds than ever before. We have different races and different culture, more so ethnically more diverse than ever before as a church. Lives have been transformed in this place. Marriages have taken place. We've got at least six coming up this year as well. Babies have been... Oh, yes, I'm excited for that. <laughs> it's the new groom-to-be. New babies, new hope, fresh vision, leaders stepping up, purpose, new vision for many people. God is doing a new thing. You know, the profile has changed. We have had greater profile here in this city. Steve now is on the radio once a month discussing the newspapers, as you do. And he sits there as a panel of people, as the expert, the religious expert here in the city, talking about what's happening in the news, a, a funny story, a local story, and a national story. And so he's there. And the guy always refers to him as the, the vicar without the dog collar. You don't wear a dog collar, do you, Steve? That's his reputation here in the city now. The vicar without the dog collar. I'm sure it's more than that. Though. We've had contacts within the county council. Our profile on our influence has been changing in schools and different organisations. It's been happening. 
You know, Steve and I have spent 2018 traveling around the country. We've visited so many different churches and so many different places and made so many different friendships and connections right across this country. We have a coach, Steve has a coach, and I'm about to sign up to have a mentor. Those things I wrote in my prayer, I'm saying, God has answered prayer and he's done what I've asked him to do. Maybe Monday we should even write a book, who knows. But it feels like it's a bit of an explosion has happened. It feels like since that part, from that time there's been an explosion of people. And I looked in scripture and it's kind of, I can't say it's exactly like this, but I think there's lessons that we can learn from the New Testament when there was an explosion that happened there. Not a, not a gas explosion, but a literal explosion of people, a dynamic of God that changed things forever. And in Acts 2, we see about the upper room. There's a place called the upper room. And at this place is where the disciples used to gather and they regularly gathered in the upper room. And this was the place where they prayed for each other. This is the place where they ate together. This is the place that Jesus appeared to them after his death. This is the place where Peter went to after he'd been released from jail supernaturally and he knocked on the door and he went to the upper room. The upper room was a special place for the disciples. They had so many memories there. They had so many God moments there. This is where they replaced Judas in the upper room and they drew lots and they found who else would walk with them as a disciple. This was a special place, the upper room. And it even tells us there were 120 people that met regularly there, male and female gathered together there regularly in the upper room. It was a special place. They could have stayed there maybe. They could have hung around there. They could have seen that as a future warm and cozy, they knew everybody, they knew each other, keeping the comfort zone. But you know, when they waited on God and they waited on the Holy Spirit, he did something new. It was almost like they could shelter within this room and hide a little bit. But when the Holy Spirit came, the verses then tell us that they went out and actually all the people came and gathered and they could hear them preach and talk within their own language. They understood what was being said by Peter and the teaching. So they must have left the upper room and got into the community. They must have closed the gap from the upper room into the actual society where they were living. Otherwise, how would the people have been drawn? How would the people have come if they hadn't have left the upper room, that place of comfort and that place of memories? You know, sometimes we have to do something radical, radical to actually move out of the place that we know that is so comfortable to us to move to reach into the community where we're around, not expecting them to come to us, but actually for us to go to them and close that gap you see, it said on that day when Peter shared, he shared that there's a new day, there's a new thing, there's something new that is happening, that God has got something new for you as people. Your old ways are not the ways that God wants you to walk in, but actually there is a Messiah that's died for you. And there's gonna be a people that he's growing. The old men will dream dreams and your young men will prophesy and, and it's something new is happening. They're gonna see something new. They're gonna have a new dream, a new dynamic, a new day. And there's a kingdom that is gonna actually be a new kingdom that's actually gonna be worth living for and maybe even worth dying for. 
come to the kingdom and come to something that is so radically different than what you've known. Put your back towards, turn your back on what you know, this corrupt generation, and come and join a kingdom that God has created for you and find life and find freedom. That was his call, that was his call. Come, come, come. And you know, that day, 3,000 people got baptized and changed their mind and became disciples of Jesus. 3,000 people all in one day. Can you imagine the chaos? It says 3,000 people got baptized and were added to their number that day. Can you imagine the planning that should have taken for 3,000 people? I mean, 3,000 people in our little baptism here, it's going to take us weeks to get through all that. But you know, they, they, they just rode the wave. They didn't, weren't concerned about how neat and tidily in order it was. They rode the wave. When God moved, they went with it and they did whatever it took, whatever was needed in order to ride the wave because God was bringing new people into the midst of them. How did they manage? I wonder whether they ever prayed, Lord bless me, but not too much. I don't know whether they did, because they were ready to do something new for God. They were ready to ride the wave. And what they did, and we're going to look a little bit deeper, how they actually managed 3,000 people, how they took the large of all these people, how did they help them to become true disciples of Jesus? How did they help them to actually really understand what this faith was all about? Let's read in Acts 2 and take a look what happened. Acts 2, verse 41 to 47. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 120 small groups overnight with at least 25 members in each one, I reckon. They gathered in homes daily. They met regularly together. And it says that they devoted themselves. What else, what did they do? They devoted themselves. I wonder what they devoted themselves to. Devotion. This week, Steve and I went to meet with friends of ours, uh, Stuart and Irene Bell. They, they cover a network over on ground level and they uh, oversee and responsible for the one event. Good friends of ours. We went to meet up with them in Stamford, so it's kind of halfway. They live in Lincoln, and we went to go and have lunch with them just to connect and touch base and have some time together. Whenever I have meetings or going out for lunch or various places that I need to go, go to and things that I do, I always have this question in my mind before I leave. What am I going to wear? It's a big problem. <laughs> I have so many places that I visit, so many people that I see. And especially if it's the people that I've seen over a regular time, I don't want to be wearing the same thing every time I see them. I mean, I know I can't have something new every time I meet somebody, but, you know, hey, maybe. <laughs> but this day I decided that I would wear 
the top that I really like. It's quite pretty, it's quite practical. It's from America, so it's unique. I like to be a little bit unique, so you can't just go out and buy what I'm wearing or anything. I like to, I like to be a little bit different. Well, I decided to wear this top. We had a nice time, we met up, and we actually got two different places wrong. We were in the right place, I have to say, and they had to come and find us. Um, but we had a lovely time. We had a nice lunch. We shared life together. We talked about how their church was, talked about how we were going, talked about their family. We shared book ideas and I even got the scriptures out together and had a look at passages of scripture because of a book that we've been reading. And we had a really good time. We sparked together. But you know what? Nobody knew while I was sat at that table that, that my favorite top had a tear on in the back shoulder seam. Nobody knew. I knew. I knew when I put it on that morning that it had a rip at the back. But nothing that a cardigan couldn't hide or cover. So it was hidden. You see, the thing is, I've known that that's been there for a while. And it's not that I don't know how to fix it. And it's not that I haven't got a sewing machine or even a craft room since my daughter went to Australia. It's not that I haven't got the skills. It's not even that I haven't got the time. Because sometimes we say we haven't got the time. It's not even that. I just didn't have the focus and the intention and the devotion to looking after my clothes properly. What are you devoted to? These people, these disciples, new disciples were devoted. They put their attention, their time, their intention, their focus into these four things that we're going to look at now. The first thing they put their devotion to was learning. They said that they gathered together around the apostles' teachings and that to their devotion to learn, to want to learn. Jesus says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Friends are open and honest with each other. Friends teach each other, share skills, information, knowledge with each other. Friends are prepared to share and be vulnerable to learn from one another. Jesus is prepared to teach us all from the Father's heart. He was prepared to show the disciples. He didn't want a servant, master-servant relationship. He wanted a friend-to-friend relationship because he was revealing what the Father wants to do here on the earth. <coughs> Jesus reveals to us through the Bible, through his word. And as we sit together and we read it and we learn from it, then we become more and more a friend of Jesus because we understand his ways. We love God more because we understand his ways and we, we know his ways. Nelson Mandela said, education is the most powerful weapon that you can use to change the world. Education in God's word will change your world and it'll change the world around us. The second thing they devoted themselves to is community. They gathered together. You know, people need community. I need community. We are a culture craving relationships. We have access to people in our everyday lives, but it is possible to be in a room full of people and still feel lonely. It's possible to have a thousand followers on Instagram, but still to feel alone. 
We need regular, meaningful relationships in our lives, not just on social media, not just surface relationships. We need meaningful, purposeful relationships in our lives. You know, the alternative, if we don't have that, is isolation. We use that as a punishment, don't we, in prisons? Social confinement, to actually on your own. It's a punishment to actually be on your own, solitary confinement. Because we are made in God's image, God is a community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we need community. You see, if we're not in community, we're more likely to be attacked. We're more likely for the devil to come along and to pick us off if we're not in community. Also, if we're in isolation, we're more likely to get things out of perspective. Our lows become lower and our highs become higher. We lose some sense of perspective. We need people around us to help us to point us back to true north. We are made for community. The other thing that happens is it's bad for your health if you're not in community. The research of 7,000 people over nine years has shown that people who may have bad health habits, i.e. smoking, drinking in excess, obesity and poor eating habits, if they have poor, bad health habits but are strong social ties, they live significantly longer than those with great health habits but were in isolation. That is what has been found. When we are isolated, we are slowly dying inside. So Andy Stanley says, it's better to eat cake with good friends than broccoli on your own. <laughs> I'll go for that one. <laughs> and we all got an amen. <laughs> you see, isolation is a bit like building an ivory tower. It's tidier and it's neater, but it's like an ivory tower when you build in isolation. It might seem easier, but actually we need to create authentic community one with another intentionally. What else did they focus on and devote themselves to? The breaking of bread. You know, the breaking of bread to me talks about coming around a table. Coming around a table, so not building towers of isolation, but building tables of community. We need to build those. And they came round, but tables of community when they were breaking bread together. You see, when you break bread together, you're breaking bread on your own foundations of your faith. You're sharing life together. Sometimes tables can get a little bit messy. Tables of community can get a little bit messy. For us, for Christmas, I decided that I want my table to look particularly beautiful this year at Christmas. I bought a new tablecloth, I bought new cloth serviettes, I'll have you know, and with little napkin rings around, I think. I had that ready then. When we went to, Steve and I went to Los Angeles and then we went to Australia. As you do, I decided that the coasters that I saw in one of the shops, the initials on, would be great for our table place setting, so everybody had their initial around the table and knew where to sit. We're talking about um, 12, 13 different people. They were quite heavy, I have to say, in our, in our luggage as we carried them from Los Angeles all the way to Australia, all the way home again. Probably wasn't the wisest decision, but I had it in my head a vision, a, a imagine what this table was going to look like. I wanted to lay a beautiful table for the family to sit at. And it was. It looked great. You know, the end of the meal, 
on Christmas Day. I looked at the table with all its mess and it, it had it'd been community. We'd chatted and we'd talked, we'd had food together and we'd laughed together, we'd prayed together even. We had a great time of Christmas. At the end of the day, I looked and I saw my nine-month-old grandson's handprint on my fresh tablecloth. And I thought, messy, it's messy. I thought, never mind, it's the cost, the price we pay. So I cleared the table and changed the tablecloth and put a brand new white tablecloth on my table. And the next day we had, oh yes, the traditional turkey curry. It was probably not a good idea to put a white tablecloth on that day. But community can be messy. It can be messy. But you know, God calls us to authentic community so that we're friends together, we're open together, we're vulnerable together, we're sharing together. They broke bread together. You know, breaking bread, we can do it in a very tidy way or we can do it in a messy sort of way. And today I want us to break bread together. We're gonna break bread together in a little while. It might get a little bit messy. It might not be quite so kind of orders as other times that we've done it. But you know, the heart of it is that it's a table of community that we're coming around. Families, can I encourage you to eat around the table regularly? It's a place where life takes place. It's where things get shared together. It's where conversation and trust is built. C3 groups, can I encourage you to eat together? It doesn't have to be fancy baked potatoes and cheese and beans every week if need be, but eat together, gather together. Eating meals together is just a reminder of the community that we're in together. It builds things into each other. You know, when we break bread today, we've got something a little bit different. We've got these little individual cups here, and uh, they've actually there's a little bit of skill of opening them up. They have two layers that we need to open. The first one, if you open it back, you'll find a wafer. And what I want you to do when we break bread together, I want you to take that and I want you to pass it to somebody near you and share it with somebody so that you're feeding one another, you're giving to each other. Once we've, we've prayed with each other, we're also going to be sharing the wine together, because he says, this is my body broken for you. In a little while, I'm going to break the bread just before I ask you to share, um, share the bread and wine with each other. The second layer you need to take off very carefully, and then you'll reveal the non-alcoholic wine there that will be there. When the baskets come round, we will be recycling all of these for any of you concerned. In fact, that's one of the reasons we've gone for this, is this is very easy to recycle. So... It's trial today, we'll try that out, but I think that will really work. It might be messy because you're gonna go into little groups and you're gonna pray for each other. You're gonna bless each other. You're gonna encourage each other. You're gonna share bread and wine with each other. See, not only were the disciples devoted to learning from each other, to being community to each other, to break bread together, but also they were, they were committed to being generous to one another. And if the musicians could come up now, that would be great. They were, they were committed at being generous to one another. It said that they sold things and they gave money together to help one another. When you give, you're being generous. You're helping the whole community. When you give of your finances, when you share with each other, we know stories that of people have given cars to each other or support to one another, passed on skills to one another, sold things and given the money in. 
That's the heart of a community, an authentic community. And I was just going to share a, um, a card that Steve and I got. We love getting cards. If you ever want to send us a card, we're very happy to receive them, especially ones that are encouraging. We really like those. It says here, today is our last Sunday at the C3 Church, and we just wanted to say a very big thank you. We are sad at leaving, but we are starting our next chapter back in Peterborough. C3 has been an amazing home for the past five years and will always hold such a special place in our hearts. The young adults group where we first got connected at Starbucks, I will always remember my first week and being welcomed in such a loving way. First impressions go a long way as no other church has connected us like C3. We couldn't have asked for a better church to start a chapter as a family of three. We had a first baby, and when we had our first baby, my husband worked a lot of weekends, and I found myself in a bit of a dark place. But C3 became my light, my safe place that I could run to. Having the cafe and now the mother-parent-baby uh, room is such a blessing, and I'm so thankful for. It was on one of these Sundays, sat in the cafe on my own with a newborn, where I got introduced to Helen. What a blessing the Creamer family is to C3 and to us to have them as neighbors knowing their door is always open and they always brought in an extra food just in case, just in case they see you and they can invite you in to join them. I also got invited to breathe on a Thursday, another beautiful blessing where I made lifelong friends with children the same age as my baby and to see their friendship blossom through meetups and creches has been wonderful. The kids work at C3, wow. The heart the church has for children makes my breath, takes my breath away. The thing we love most about C3 is the heart. The heart is always in the right place. Even if things are, set, are taken in the wrong way, you look for the heart and there it is. We will miss you. Generous people. And the final thing is prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And as Steve has shared about our 40 days of prayer that we're going to be entering in soon, we're going to be hearing more from God as we pray. And you know, I believe we've become more content as people more aware of ourselves when we have a life of prayer that's strong in him and we're going to pray explosive growth how do they manage it they brought the large and brought it into small a large community became a small community where people could feel loved they could feel valued they could feel connected they could share with each other they could walk with each other they could forgive one another and they could support each other. Let's be more devoted than we've ever been before, more intentional than we've ever been before.